Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. Yeah, you're tuned to Bay FM. It's uh, 10, 11, and thanks for joining us here on the broadcast live on Bay FM 999 in the Rainbow region of New South Wales in Australia. And if you are listening to us in the edited podcast, then thanks for joining us anywhere in the world. And please uh, get your friends uh, signed up. Well, it doesn't cost you anything. Sign up to listen to the podcast and spread it around, spread the information. If it, uh, if it flies for you, if it helps you to be in alignment. Yeah. Exactly. Otherwise, don't listen. Don't otherwise just go away, please. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, <clears throat> we're talking about corruption uh, in this section of the show. Mm. And there's a lot of it around at the moment, as you might have noticed. And if we think about it in a, a systemic way, and we stand back and we look at the big picture, we see that systems go through periods of stability and then they go through periods of change and during during those periods of change the structures that form during the stable times must change somehow and and what that means for a structure is it must come apart somehow Mm. so that there is enough looseness in the system for a new kind of structure and usually a more complex capable structure to form if it's headed in an evolutionary direction but things can go backwards and there are plenty of examples in Mm. history of uh, systems going backwards I had great exposure to that when I spent some time in Somalia back in the 90s working in a town that was basically like the Wild West with no government and no sanitation, no electricity, yet it had a Coca-Cola bottling factory that was in ruins and an agricultural college that was in ruins and a Fiat car factory that was in ruins. So that taught me that societies can go backwards as well. So it's always good to remember that. And um, during these times of change, as we're, we're in the midst of right now globally, there is always a little bit of a backward shift due to this slingshot effect where we, we realise that the values we've been living by no longer seem to be working and because we can't see into the future to the future values, what we do is we look backwards to the past and we, we think, okay, maybe if we go back to the way things used to be, then it'll fix our problems. And of course it doesn't fix our problems, but what it does do is it speeds up the change process because it creates more pressure more evolutionary tension for change, just and like it, pulling back that elastic band mm, on the slingshot. And I guess for many people that's quite a hard thing to receive when you see some of the politics on the planet and that, that sort of uh, that regressive search manifests, for example, in big ways like excessive nationalism or a return to religion and, and other ideas or just back to family values and these kind of notions. And it makes a lot of sense to those people at the time uh, because they can't see, as you say, they can't see forward. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, but it does actually accelerate things. And that, I think that's the key here, isn't it, that actually it's an acceleration process thus by that, well, and I'm that feeling regressive that search. Particularly in the United States right now, yeah. um, where society is changing so quick, not mm-hmm. just around the world, but in, in the States. And yeah. there's 
it's not aligning with the older value systems and so there is that kind of want to go back and but everything that they're doing every little brick that they're pulling out is is just making the the system less and less stable or less and less aligned yeah. and speeding up that process yeah. so yeah i mean in a sense talking about our first part the, the crooked foundations the foundations perhaps in those institutions were originally very solid in that era but now they're not solid anymore they're crooked now yeah and literally crooked in many cases that's right yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, if we look at the the value systems that we grow through as humans, as individuals, and also the same pattern applies to the whole evolution of our species over time, they alternate between a focus on individual living and communal living. <clears throat> and in the individually oriented systems, our main focus is on changing the outside world to fit our needs or my needs in particular because it's an individual thing mm. and in the communal systems that flips 180 and we are focused on changing ourselves to fit with what the world requires of us you can really see that dynamic um, in play at the moment globally where there's this tension between people who want things to fit with their individual needs uh, and particularly in alignment with the old paradigm which is the scientific industrial paradigm layer five Graves' model, which is an individually oriented system, and the emergence of the new values, which are communally oriented, and people saying, "No, no, you all need to give it up for the community. You know, give it up for the for the you know, greater good kind of thing." Mm. Uh, and that's creating a lot of tension, which is also driving the change process faster. So th basically the end result is just pushing us more quickly into a mm. communally based value system and helping us create a new ethical framework around that. Yeah, I mean, there's. I'm thinking now of uh, the notion of the phrase which has arisen in the last few years, this idea of virtue signaling, uh, that, uh, you know, we know the way we're supposed to be, the value system we're supposed to have on the planet, and you should be, you should be feeling that, and that imposed on some people in some areas who are made to be uh, you know, responsible for the problems on the planet and so forth, and, you know, trying to make people change their values, but you can't just force people to change their values, of course, and that's, so the, the tension is created even deeper there. That's right, and, and what makes it even trickier is sometimes the words that come out of people's mouth don't actually reflect their values inside, <clears throat> and so you can get the, the whole greenwash thing happening where people speak the words, but actually if you watch their behaviour, it's individually oriented and not communally oriented. I'm also fascinated too by how the technology drives all of this, right? And going into this communal or this we focus as we're, as we're moving through how the internet and that connectivity and that decentralization of the information systems and the information exchanges are recreate are creating these new value systems that are that are opening up to we need to start thinking about the larger community mm -hmm. as opposed to the individual focus so it's one of the things that i always go back to and i'm always fascinated with the development of the technology that we just do in some ways blindly um, but how that impacts so directly what we're thinking, feeling, and how we're moving forward in the world. It does, and yep. it, that's a really interesting link because the, that technology was created by the individually oriented right. value system, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a wonderful connector that's showing how these systems flow from one to the next, and that na natural 180 degree flip is just part of this kind of sine wave pattern that happens mm -hmm. through the value systems as we grow through them, yeah. And of course, thus at the moment, the paradox is that both are true, that that technology, the systems that we've built, 
built are serving the individual uh, me i me mine on one hand and the, the the project of layer five of the commercial and capitalist and corporate still and at the same time providing a whole connectivity that we haven't had before and opportunity therefore for the exchange of ideas and possibilities and growth that way so two are existing coexistent at the moment pulling the <clears throat> excuse me pulling the curtain back on mm. the corruption you know this information is there yeah. it's easily accessible now and so we can start to see what's going on behind the scenes, so mm. to speak. Um, and, and that's going to make a big difference, too, to what's mm. happening in this world of corruption. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's very, very true. And it's, it's the communal value systems which, within which we create our ethical frameworks. And so when the individual value systems emerge, they tend to deconstruct those frameworks. Uh, so in that respect, it's the individually oriented systems that bring change in the external world uh, and the communal systems that bring change in the internal world. Well, what's happening at the moment is we're trying to create this new ethical framework, which comes with layer six, right? Um, and at the same time, we're looking back and we're looking at how the fifth system has corrupted the ethical framework from layer four, which was the agricultural and very strongly religious uh, influenced era <clears throat> and I guess you see that in uh, particularly in America with the sort of evangelical and tax uh, free uh, rise of, of, of that expression of religiosity which actually well what's it doing I mean it's you know it's, it's sort of so so far so corrupted in its own way uh, arguably I mean not to say you know those who have beliefs out there fine but really the, the institutions are the problem yeah know. well they have been corrupted particularly yeah. through through the shift you know that that's come with the scientific industrial era mm. um, that's not to say that you know <clears throat> some of these organizations were corrupt from the start no, I mean they, they no, had the sort of tele-evangelism yeah. has led to a vast amount of wealth for some of these these yeah, folks yeah. That, that's true that's mm. true and um, and the the scientific industrial value system the, the layer five has been very much about personal success and people serving their personal needs and of course in that system with the economic system that it created uh, the more value the more money that you have within that economic system the more that you can serve your personal needs mm. and uh, and the system itself because of its nature you know that that uh, unit of value that was created uh, in in fiat money um accumulates to the individual you know because it's the whole system is just themed that way mm. and and hence the need for us design to design new systems now that are decentralizing mm. which as you as you pointed out mm. uh, that spreads the joy back out to the community rather than uh, hoarding it yeah and of course this is part of the technology uh, revolution as well this decentralization distributed energy distributed everything yeah Right, not just through the, the information, um, mm. but through our monetary system. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, that's right. And if we look at our political systems um, and think, just think about this theme of individual success that has run through that whole era and the fact that that mindset has designed the systems or at least uh, adapted old systems to fit with its needs, it's no surprise then that our political system has become a system that those in power have been able to uh, reinforce their power with and and so once they get into power then they have the power to change the system and they can change the system in self-serving ways mm. which which makes them to some extent unreachable by you know the general public and this is one mm. of the great dilemmas that we're facing in, across society at the moment is 
how does in a democratic, a so-called democratic system, you know, how does the general public stand up and say, hang on a minute, the system's broken, we need to fix it, when we don't have regular and ready access to be able to change the system ourselves unless we're one of the people in power. Well, the system is gamed. I mean, you talk <clears> in, in the polit political sphere, you can look at uh, things like gerrymandering, which yeah. in Australia is pretty full on, but in, in the US... Uh, a, a very long, by both parties, but particularly the Republicans have been very good at, uh, at making, uh, redrawing boundaries to suit their electoral purposes. And things like the House of Lords in the British system, which is basically, you know, um, a given position with no real relationship to to the people. I was listening to a program on, on that other great radio station, Radio National, the other day about that, about the distance from the, the, the members of the House of Lords, the language that they speak, the world that, that they live in, and the common people, and yet they are supposedly speaking for and making laws for the common people so detached from the reality. And that's mm. one of the big discussions in the states right now is about yep. the electoral college. Yes. You know, um, that doesn't feed into a democratic society when you don't have the people actually doing the election or the change um, when it is just the few. Yeah. Um, and that, that is something that is coming up and, and uh, we will be challenged with. Indeed. We'll take a little break here on Future Sense. It is now 10.23, and you're tuned with uh, myself, Nick Jean, Steve McDonald, and the Texan elf, Mitch Schultz, here on Bay FM. Bay FM 99.9.1 below boiling. You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. Uh, and uh, right now we've got another half hour of Future Sense with myself, Nick Jean, Steve McDonald and Mitch Schultz here in the studio with you. And we're talking a little bit about uh, corruption and realignment that needs to come from that. We are indeed. And uh, we've been talking about natural systems and the natural evolution of human values and how when we go through these communally oriented value systems, and I'm talking about uh, layer two in, in Claire Graves' model, which is described beautifully in the Change Code book, by the way, mm. uh, which is our family values, or at a species level, it's our, our tribal values. And then layer four, which uh, emerged with the agricultural era, era at a, um, a species level, where we came together for the first time and lived in, in large cities and consequently had to work together communally for that to be a harmonious process. And, and it was during that time, too, that we saw the development of a lot of our uh, major religious systems, which inevitably gave a list of items of how to live. How to live, yes. Yeah, the commandments, live, uh, one yeah, way or the other. Exactly, instructions from God. And in that layer four system, we always look to a higher, higher authority for instructions on how to live our life. And mm. it doesn't always have to be a religion, but it's some kind of... Yeah. deferment to higher authority and layer six which is emerging right now uh, and which will bring and is, we're already starting to see the early stages of layer six values playing out and they're yet to kind of mature into a, a fully formed value system but certainly they're out there yeah well that just on that though it's interesting what signs of maturity in layer six would you would you point to again i think it's it's uh, a matter of aligning uh those areas that we spoke about in the last part of the show, uh, you know, the physical aspects. So we're talking there about the, the physical environments that we live in. Uh, and we're still at the moment living very much in physical environments that have been created by the scientific industrial era, which is why so many people who are shifting their values now are finding it so difficult to be in yeah. civilization, you yeah. know, for various reasons, because it's designed for the old value set. Uh, so once 
once we get to the point where we're creating physical living environments that are catered or are catering for this new value set mm. uh, and where that value set is dominant within society uh, and and also um, you know, we have uh, spiritual systems mm. which are there to cater for the spiritual aspect, aspect of our, our life as well so mm. we can have that you know sort of um, body mind spirit alignment mm. and, and that that then I would call that a mature expression of yeah. the value system and I guess when it comes to the spiritual for example we'd be looking at um, what's the word a, a more mature appreciation and understanding of what that, that spiritual dimension actually is. Yeah. And that's not the same for everybody. Yeah, uh, and in layer six, it's going to be uh, a, a spiritual system that is appreciative of and caters for all perspectives. Obviously. I mean, that's a very layer six yeah. thing, right? And, and we see the early signs of that in things like uniting churches where, mm. or, albeit, you know, all different Christian churches, but they all come together and say, you know, all of these different variations are okay. And if you can imagine that, but something that caters for any spiritual system and says, you know, it's it's all um, relative to a person's perspective, basically. This goes on beyond just the East, Miss, East, 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 East West, yeah. Um, but yeah, incorporating mm. all these different aspects mm. in That's the right. uh, process. As opposed so. to the West eats meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the West does eat meat. But. Which was a, a track by Ravi Shankar, I must say. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we've got a great question here, actually, from our long-time listener, Melody. Uh, hey guys, to what extent might we be able individually and en masse actually envisage, imagine future structures, systems, workable models that are sufficiently well aligned and flexible to grow and constantly sustain themselves without corrupting? Can we visualize such? Lots of there. Uh, yeah, I think part of that process is embracing the nature of systems change and the nature of change generally and understanding that change is about creation and uncreation or destruction or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, and I, I generally call it constructive and deconstructive. Mm. You know, So you construct something that's suitable for the life conditions and when the life conditions change, you have to deconstruct at least part of that. Mm to then reconstruct a system that fits with the new life conditions. Mm -hmm. So once we are fully embracing of change and we're fully uh, in that process of flow, going with the natural flow of emergence and then um, you know decay and then re-emergence and we work with that, that's when uh, you know we won't need to, to be corrupt because the corruption only happens where people's personal needs or wants don't fit with the system that's present, right? So it's a mismatch between a structure and a personal motivation. Mm -hmm. That's when corruption creeps in. Mm -hmm. But if we can learn to cater for everyone's needs and we can have and we can have different things that cater for those needs, then there's no need for people to be corrupt. They can go and do what mm -hmm. they want to do over there and they can come and conform over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. Um, and of course, just going back to what you said before about uh, the new systems, we often talk on the show about localization and resilience, these kind of ideas. Mm. And the necessity really, that's what in a, in a sense seems to be coming in this area, which is quite a, a layer six emergent region, we're seeing many elements of, of that coming into play. 
the move towards sustainability, renewability, localised food markets and all of these things, and they seem to be moving into place, I think positively speaking, moving into a place where these new structures are, are, are coming to, to be grounded more. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, you know, we're, all see, we're also seeing some element of regression here as well um, as, you know, change is, is creeping into greater population centres. We're seeing people wanting to get out of there. Mm. You know, as, as cities are regressing, mm. we're seeing people who want to get out of the city now who were previously comfortable in the city and uh, looking to come to country areas as well. So so we are, uh, you know, I don't, I'm sure that I, I picked up uh, elements of that and you probably have too. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's little things changing that may Byron not the way that it used to be, mm. but it's all part of the natural shift and change process. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, many people don't like uh, Byron Bay itself. For those who are listening overseas, you probably know the, know the name and know the place. Um, those changes for many people here have be quite, been quite uncomfortable mm. to face uh, this, you know, this mishmash and this connectivity of people coming for here for often not really knowing why. I mean, one, on one hand, that to escape the old life, the stricture of the structure mm. yeah, that they're living in, to find some sort of more freedom, but often... They don't really know why they're coming here. That's what I observe. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exciting. I find that Byron Bay, this township even itself, I, I still like it because you can watch these movements in people. You can see that they're here. They're different. They're, they're trying something different. They're available for something different at least. They may not know what it is. Yeah. Mm. yeah Celebrate true. that complexity. Oh, Celebrate the complexity, yeah. It is. It's a wonderful melting pot, you know, yeah. the complexity created by all those people come from all those all those different yeah. places and, and all mixing together in mm. one area, yeah. But um, back to politics and, mm. you know, perhaps that's where corruption is most evident really? uh, at the moment. Mm. Um, back mm. in 2014, a couple of people from Princeton University published an academic paper on uh, the f their theme that uh, the US is no longer a democracy, it's become yes. an oligarchy. Um, and I would uh, argue that it has never been a democracy, but I'll step uh, aside on yeah, that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess it's, it's all well, Certainly since the robber baron era, you can yeah. argue, since the yeah. late 1800s, I think that's likely true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but basically what their paper said was that uh, the, um, the ec economic elites have undue influence over politics uh, compared to the, the average American. And uh, I'll see if I can just pull a couple of quotes from an article that I've got here from the BBC, uh, which is talking about this study. Uh, it says the US is dominated by a rich and powerful elite. Uh, so concludes a recent study by Princeton University Professor Martin Gillens and Northwestern University Professor Benjamin Page. This is not news, you say. <laughs> That's what it says in the BBC article. Um, so they're saying that uh, economic elites and organised groups representing business interests have su substantial independent impacts on US government policy, mm. while average citizens and mass-based interest groups have little or no independent influence. And then it goes on to talk about some percentages uh, that they worked out from the study where they reckon that... Uh, Proposed policy, cha policy change with low support amongst economically elite Americans uh, is adopted only about 18% of the time, while a proposed change with high support uh, is adopted about 45% of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, just basically saying it's very hard to get things changed if you if you're not one of the economic elite. And you know, I think there's a, an argument to say that that's in play here in Australia. I don't think not to the same extent, but. Right. 
we've had a few examples of things that have been pretty weird, like um, I'm thinking of the the coup against Kevin Rudd, you know, which immediately followed immediately after some like about six million dollars was spent on advertising by mining companies, mm. uh, just trying to bring him down there. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's there's, uh, there's much there. Um, I was I've just slipped my mind what I was going to say there. Keep going. Yeah, that's okay. So your mm. your thoughts were corrupted, clearly. Clearly corrupted. <laughs> I can see you're aligned with our theme here. Thank so you very much. I try I try my best. It's all part of a natural <laughs> over here. It's all part of a natural process. Yeah. And uh, I'd better go back to my notes then. <laughs> um, of course, the other great example in the news right now, today even, if you look, is the impeachment attempt against uh, Donald Trump, which some people would say, you know, the, the whole idea of uh, trying to impeaching is simply a, a party-aligned um, corruption of the, of, you know, what should be proper political process, but they're just using every any tool that they can to try and bring Trump down. Yeah. I think, though, uh, you know, as on either side of that debate, <clears throat> I always like to ask whatever opposition there is, how would you feel if it was on the other side? Um, yeah, good because question. Because it, it, it inevitably just boils down to what side of the fence you're on yeah. and, and what, what tribe you're playing with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it wasn't that long ago when they were doing this with Bill Clinton from yeah. the opposite side, yeah. and, and, it's, and it's flipped back and forth. and. You don't want to go outside of those party lines, uh, particularly right. in America. I think it's very easy to see a lot of this corruption, um, and a lot of people would agree that it happens in politics, but business, yeah. even academia, and in many other places where, where money is heavily involved mm. and power is heavily involved, mm. um, and we think that this stuff is not going to be in academia and other parts of even the nonprofit world, there is heavy corruption. Yeah. Um, and so, th it, again, it's that realignment or things being out of alignment in many aspects of society. Very what, true, yeah. And, and what it comes down to is that all of these systems have been designed from the scientific industrial mindset, which is individually oriented, and so they're, they're not working for community, and that's the way we should expect it to be, right. you know, once they've had many, many years to run their course, and mm. uh, it's all part of the natural shift back to, like, the big pendulum swing is one way of looking at this individual or communal orientation, you know, the pendulum swings to an extreme, and it's when it gets to it extreme, it's extreme, that it has the most potential to swing back the other way, and that's what we're seeing. And of course, all these themes are about polarization, which is uh, um, the major theme, the beginning theme in uh, Monica Bourgeau's book, The Change Code, which we've talked about here, in which Steve wrote the forward for, and we'll give some more books away next week when the office is open. That's right. But that notion of excessive, uh, the, the pendulum swing also represented in a sense by the excessive polarization, yeah, exactly. which what you're saying is no matter which side of politics you're on, you're stuck in that side if you're, yeah. if you're coming from that place. And just going back to the thing I, I forgot about was about unions, because I think the disempowerment of unions around the world is interesting because collectively uh, they're powerful and there's money involved and they're also sometimes corrupt. Yeah. However, they haven't got enough power as individuals within the system because they're all, you know, generally speaking, working class That's right, to actually right. uh, instigate real power against the elites that you're talking about there. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting to note that in the latter stages of the scientific industrial era, even unions have been yeah. uh, corrupted to the point where they don't seem to have much power anymore. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Indeed. We'll take a little break here before our last segment. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate and spiral up. 10.50 here and just about finished Future Sense for this week on Bay FM on this uh, holiday day. Have a good day out there. We've been talking about corruption in this part of the show and uh, just mentioned the USA 
previously before the break, and of course we've got our own trouble happening here in Australia. And there've been calls. There have been calls for a, an independent commission against corruption at federal level here in Australia for quite some time. And I, I pulled up an old article here from uh, ABC News from 27th of November. 2018, which was saying that more than 4,300 federal public servants believe they witnessed corrupt behaviour yeah. in the past year from that time, uh, as Prime Minister Scott Morrison faces mounting pressure to establish an in integrity commission. Uh, and uh, I, I certainly think there's a strong need for that. And uh, as we were saying earlier, you know, when we have a system that has been designed from a, a mindset of individual success, so it's oriented towards individualism rather than uh, the, the greater good of the community. We should expect that system to want to reinforce its uh, its position, I guess, and we've seen that unfold over the years through the scientific industrial era, how democratic institutions uh, like our, our uh, federal political ones have uh, tweaked and changed various mm -hmm. aspects of the democratic system to, to make it harder for them to lose power, yeah. or, uh, easier for them to stay in power, and, um, and also more difficult for anybody outside the sort of inner sanctum of, of the political organisation to have influence over um, you know, the decision-making process. Uh, and, and part of that uh, evolution also has been the fact that money is needed to, uh, to maintain political power. And, and so those people who have the money uh, have had undue influence over our political institutions. And some people would say, you know, that uh, a process of corporate capture has happened where really it's the large corporates who have the money and are feeding or controlling you know, our political institutions through that means. There was a, a, a vote uh, on in September last year uh, in the upper house in the Australian Parliament, Labor, in fact, Centre Alliance and Jackie Lambie joined the Greens in voting for a federal anti-corruption commission, but of course the bill wouldn't pass the House because it's dominated by the Coalition, yeah. and I wondered there whether Labor voted because they knew that they wouldn't, wouldn't pass, because the Labor is just as implicated or pretty well as implicated as the Coalition in exactly the stuff that we're talking about here. But at least uh, some elements in, 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 uh, in our supposedly democratic institution, the Greens and others, voted for that in the, in the, in the Senate. Yeah. Mm. As with everything during a time of major transformation, all of our social systems need to, to change somehow in order to transition into this new era, which is uh, quite clearly going to be community-oriented. And the, the concern is how will that change happen? And we've been seeing a lot of civil unrest around the world yeah. of late. Hong Kong's certainly been in the news, but lots and lots of other places around the world have been experiencing similar kind of unrest where the general public are in disagreement with something that the government has done or threatens to do. And we need to, to look at, uh, at our systems and ask ourselves the question, how could our system change if it needed to change for the greater good? Mm. And what are the mechanisms for doing that? And how easy will the change be? And, you know, how easy can the change be? And when the system has been engineered to the point where it can easily resist uh, pressure from the general public for change, then that is, that's at this time in history, that's clearly a warning sign. It's a red flag. Mm. Some countries like Switzerland, for example, have built-in systems whereby the general public can have influence in between, you know, the ends of the election cycle. Citizen-initiated referenda and similar concepts. That kind of thing. Yep. And, and that's, you know, that's one mechanism that might help relieve the pressure. 
but at this time where change is speeding up and the pressure for change is more immediate people probably feel like they can't wait four years or whatever the electoral term is to vote for another party which is probably going to have the same attitude as the previous party yes. that they just want to you know make themselves as secure as possible in power and not generally listen to the public Indeed. in fact we have a text uh, on, on that with the american discreetly democrat and republicans party together at night after masquerading as different during the day most clear examples is about from bernie sanders being attacked by elites of both parties and their media apparent chicks so this is mm-hmm. exactly right yeah 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 so so this all to be a big warning sign uh, for governments around the world at the moment the, the clear danger is civil unrest uh, and uh, we know that the US government for example has been anticipating that for, for I think probably decades now they've been pouring a lot of money, the Pentagon in particular have been pouring a lot of money into research into civil unrest and how to deal with it mm. uh, there was an article in the uh, Australian ABC News yesterday about local police forces acquiring um, sound weapons for yes. crowd control, which which might indicate that, okay, maybe our government's onto it as well. Well, the French did this years ago, and this is a truth. The French had a thing which it, which it was like a cannon, a sound cannon, which which emitted a, a low, very low B-flat, yeah. and you, could, you couldn't hear it way low, and it just made you shit your pants, basically. Really? Yeah. yeah. So this is actually true. They did use it. I'm not sure why they don't yeah, now. That, but that stuff's been around for a long time. Yeah, exactly. I, I, when I was in the army, a friend of mine uh, did an exchange with the British Army in the 80s this was and and he went to an experimental weapons place to work and they were experimenting experimenting with sound weapons back then and I know they've used them on cruise ships for a long time anti-pirate kind of stuff so it is stuff is around but but, uh, that's a bit of a sidetrack the main issue here is that we're living at a time of rapid change where our governments need to be able to move faster they need to be able to uh, be open to uh, all of the signs of change and be listening very carefully to hear what needs to change and be able to act on that change quickly and where we're also very very rapidly getting to the point where we can't uh, expect the general public to wait four years to bring about some kind of policy change which is you know acutely needed mm. at the yes. time so so yeah there, there are red flags and warning signs and things that need to be uh, attended to then that's about it i did want to mention something very quickly we sometimes we use astrology and uh, some people like some people don't uh, chiron this body has just moved into a certain point in a 50-year cycle which is exactly resonant with 1969 and I think this is very interesting in terms of perhaps a new healing cycle that we're entering. Perhaps that's what we're talking about today, about uh, alignment. Is a new healing cycle available to us if we tune into it, if we align ourselves to that. So, yeah, things are, things are not all negative here at all. In fact, we're quite the opposite. We think we've got a future. Does this mean it's time for the new summer of love? It's the n- time for the new summer of love. Yeah, every day. Bring it on. In every way. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.